Our guests in studio this morning are from the Child Advocacy Center, and we have with us today Carrie Norville and also Katie Enzor. How are you both doing today? Doing good. How are you? I am good. So well today, Scott. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And some of the things we're going to be talking about this morning involving the Child Advocacy Center involve the Secret Santa program and then also the Darkness to Light program. So I guess let's start with Secret Santa because Christmas was, man, just this past week. Isn't that amazing? Santa's already dropped off all of the gifts to all the children across all the world. Um, But he especially stopped here in Murfreesboro at the Child Advocacy Center and um, speaking about Santa, we had about 80 um, secret Santas this year. The program that we started, I believe, about 15 years ago is where we asked the community to get involved and sponsor a family that we specifically have seen at the Child Advocacy Center. So we work with the Department of Children's Services, uh, law enforcement, the sheriff's office, our kids in Nashville, and of course us to help children um, who have disclosed that they have been sexually or physically abused and we help with the team um, all together um, help that family and uh, of course the child heal from this trauma Uh, and so any child that has come to us over the last 21 years um, or within the last year we reach out and just say you know I know it's been a very 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 troubling year Um, you know you can imagine your child coming to you um, even before Christmas or any time of the year and and disclosing something quite like that it kind of rocks your world Um, and so probably Christmas is some of the last things that we think about when we're trying to go to counseling or we're trying to go to a um, lawyer's office or anything of that nature. And so we try to be there for the families that we serve. Um, And like I said, over 80 sponsors came together. Local businesses, organizations, and churches came together and sponsored over 200 of our children and families. And so we're so very thankful. So when you have a new client, and I guess that client would be the child. Yes. And their family as well. When that new client comes into the Child Advocacy Center and they sit down and talk for the first time, open up for the first time, what are some of the emotions that the parents are going through as the child? Because I can imagine the child's going through all sorts of stuff. Certainly. And um, once the child comes in, it's a it's kind of a living room atmosphere. So it's not going to be the police station. There's not going to be officers. You know, the child, the child isn't going to see any maybe guns or uh, badges and so we try to let them know that this is a safe place your you know your secret is can be here and we have trained professional forensic interviews that speak with the child um, it is recorded and that then does go to the DA's office to help per, um, prosecute the perpetrator if in fact there has been um, any sort of allegation that's true um, but while they're in there the family advocates that also are at the Child Advocacy Center speak with the mom um, or the caregiver or the grand parent that is in charge of the child and again you can only imagine the maybe it's horror maybe it's fear maybe it's maybe it's anger Um, so all sorts of emotions come through there and we just walk through making sure that the parent or the caregiver is um, protective making sure that they believe the child and the child is then you know is brave to come in but also able um, to go home and, and feel like they have started to work through something that's been so traumatic um so i i would have to say that just a rage of emotions um that go on through that but um, we just hope that we're there um for them from the start and then of course all the way into the finish and that can be years um or it can be just a couple of months 
Now, there have been so many changes when it comes to investigating child sex abuse cases and child abuse cases over the years. I mean, you look at the 60s, 70s, the 80s even, the way detectives would handle those cases was so different back then compared to today. And I'm sure there's some situations where parents are you know, extremely worried about their child going through the court process if their child is a victim because they remember what it used to be like. And it's not like that anymore. Yes, we hear from so many parents, um, even now, unfortunately, that do come in and they actually disclose something that they have gone through as a child but didn't feel comfortable um, stating that. And we know, Carrie, is it about 90 percent, about 90 percent of children probably won't disclose um but we do know through um a lot of our statistics gathering over the years that one in 10 children um, will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday so as you were saying scott um if since the child advocacy center model hasn't always been around there's still parents that you know are still going through this alongside their child right and i I will add Mm -hmm. i feel like we're very fortunate here we have our sipit team which is our child protective investigative team um, and that's law enforcement dcs the district attorney um, and the staff at the cac we all work together to to work those cases Um, so having that team in place um, we're able to hold each other accountable and work together to make sure uh, you know essentially that we we hope to not let anybody fall through the cracks And, and and i think that's really important as well And I'm sure over the years, especially in the last 10 to 20 years, there has been an increase of uh, children and parents who come forward to press charges to say, you know, this is the allegation. This is what occurred to my child and the child saying, yeah, this is what happened. Whereas in the past, the numbers were lower. You know, I'm not saying there were less offenders out there certainly but the numbers were lower because people weren't coming forward as much because people didn't know about all the different services that are available like they are today i guess absolutely and we're so glad that you know social media goes back and forth right it's great to get information out but it's also very very scary you know you need to make sure that you are monitoring that especially if your child is on it but even through the pandemic we learned um, that teachers were over over 50 percent of teachers or excuse me of our referrals come from teachers and so having to teach teachers and of course even parents um, how to and recognize signs um, through virtual platforms through social media through zoom through classes you know through chats while they were talking to other other children Um, so just in the last five years but especially through the pandemic we've learned a lot through those processes as well i know one of the scary things with social media is that a lot of those who are offending against children that's where they first talk to the children through social media through snapchat through facebook instagram all those places and i know one recent case that the tbi released an arrest information on or arrest information on uh, they actually released the different i guess call names the screen names that the perpetrator was using and that was the first time where i saw where the tbi had ever released a list of identities of the possible suspect who was using them you know on social media right and i can touch to that um a little bit uh 
it's so important for us to teach our children social media safety. Um, it just takes the perpetrator one one opportunity to find something in common, and they have really sneaky ways of doing it. Uh, so, you, you know, they might be like, oh, uh, I see your profile picture is a St. Louis Cardinals baseball player. I like St. Louis Cardinals too, you know. Um, they just try to find that one thing that they have in common with that child, and that's, that's their in. Um, so it's really important to teach children to not share any sort of personal information online, um, especially, you know, in the game of, like, in the world of, uh, gaming devices we have xboxes and playstations and they can play online as well but we we have to be you know very conscientious about what we share on those platforms too because we don't know who we're playing with and who we're sharing that information with as well it's scary these days i mean there are a lot of safety devices in place these days to protect children especially but at the same time there's a lot of fear out there because there's a lot of stuff that does get through the cracks and you really never know who you're talking to on social media and kids i guess need to better understand that which is hard to explain to them right for sure definitely now the darkness to light program through the child advocacy center that that's one of those programs that will teach church leaders teachers more about what to look out for and what to teach children about yeah, exactly. Uh, so we offer that training free to uh, members of our community, so civic groups, churches, um, our school systems. You know, essentially anybody that wants to take that training can reach out to us, and we're going to do what we can to make sure that they get connected somewhere. Um, that training teaches the five steps to protecting children. So we learn the facts about child sexual abuse. Like Katie said, we know that one in 18 children will be the victim of child sexual abuse before their 18th birthday. Um, you know, we're in a holiday time um, and I think this this is a very important tip that um, you know I intentionally want to share today and that is that um, first off the st statistic would be that children who have been abused 90% of them know their abuser mm. 30% of them being family members um, and we don't necessarily want to go into the holidays assuming that somebody's going to abuse our our children uh, but we have to be conscientious we have to pay more attention um, and you know so step two we talk about minimizing opportunity um, and then step three we talk about it and in that um, we talk about how children have authority over their their bodies right um, so in this holiday time we have uncle joe right he comes in and he says uh give me a hug and you know maybe your kid's young and they haven't seen uncle joe in two years and they don't want to give him a hug we have to remind our children that they have the power to tell him no right and if he doesn't take no as an answer we as parents have to step up and say you know they said no and that might be uncomfortable um in those situations and we might worry about offending somebody as well but we have to realize that it's for our child's protection um, so sometimes it does require us to step, step outside of our comfort zone to protect their comfort and safety as well um, and then step four we talk about recognizing the signs of child sexual abuse um you know because it's not always physical so it's not always the physical signs we're going to see those emotional um, behavioral signs so we talk about what to watch out for and then step five is to react responsibly and we talk about what to do if a child were to disclose to you um, what to do if you think you're witnessing those signs and how to encourage those conversations um, but most importantly we talk about um, you know how to make that report right so a lot of people don't realize we we're talking about how things have changed in the last um, 20 30 years uh, 
the state of Tennessee has a law that every adult is considered a mandated reporter. So if you have um, disclosure, discovery, or suspicion of child sexual abuse, you're technically bound by law to make that report, um, which I think is another reason that we have become more aware of these cases is because people are now um, aware of that law and they know that it is their um, obligation to make that report so um, you know we just encourage people if they want to learn more um, to take the training uh, we offer it um, as often as possible in multiple settings virtually in person um, because we want to get the word out so I think we've trained about uh, 600 people since May which is awesome but we have a goal to train about 600 more uh, before June so uh, if you're interested, we uh, encourage you to reach out to us. Our number is 615-867-9000. Again, with us this morning, Carrie Norville and Katie Enzor with the Child Advocacy Center. And the center serves Rutherford and Cannon County, right? That's right, Scott. <clears throat> we do have a satellite office um, that's just... It, is just as large and it actually is serviced just for Woodbury and Cannon County residents um, and so she we have a, a specialist there that works um, you know for for them and it they do the exact same thing that we do here it's just a tiny smaller than Rutherford County um, but you know we certainly want to make sure that everyone knows that you can also um, come to that location and speak with her too um, and then of course if you do suspect any child abuse or any um, sort of drug endangerment that you'd like to um, report or you are mandated to report we'd like to make sure that the community knew um, that you can go on our website at cacrutherford.com org and it has not only the child abuse reporting hotline but you can also make a claim um, online there if you'd like to do that but you can also call the number at 877-237-0004 and make a, a mandated report now you can also make anonymous reports you don't have to give your information i guess whenever you do call in to report such a crime uh and and you know you may not know for sure a crime's taking place or a child is definitely being abused, but if you suspect it, you can remain anonymous and report it. Yes. Right. We like to say that when you make that report, you're not necessarily um, making you know a statement that it's happening you're just asking for a service to be provided and that service is for somebody to step in and um, you know start that investigation um, we really encourage you if you have that gut feeling or that suspicion to make a call because uh, you could potentially change a child's life right and if nothing's happening then nothing's happening but if something is like I said you just um, made a difference so and there's so many different signs to look out for I mean everything from uh, a, you know, a child who used to be very talkative now being very quiet. I mean, there's just so many things to look out for when it comes to children who may have been abused. And I guess, you know, if you're a, a Sunday school teacher, if you're a scout leader, those people are even more so in the position to kind of look out for these signs, or at least they should, more so than people who are, you know, working at a retail store. Yeah, Right, because we want... Um our children to know the trusted adults that they have in their life. Um, that's one thing that we talk about in that training too, is encourage them to point out those people that they feel like they can talk to if something were to happen. Um, and I think that's why it's important to take the training is because if somebody discloses to you and you don't know what to do, um, 
we don't want nothing to happen essentially you know we want you to be prepared and to have those tools to react responsibly and get them the help that they need um you know so that we can break that cycle of abuse that was my phone i I work at a radio station you would think i would remember to turn it off but i didn't uh you know what is I guess what is one of the first things you should do if a child does come to you and says, you know, hey, I got to tell you something that happened to me. I I mean, I would guess the number one thing to do would be to listen. Then after that, that's when you notify the authorities. But I think you should listen. Right. Yeah, definitely listen. Um, One thing that I would have never considered is to stay calm, right? So if a child's sitting there telling you that they've been the victim of sexual abuse inside, you're probably going to feel a range of emotions, right? You might be angry. You might be upset. um, But in that moment, we know it's so important for us to stay calm, right? Uh, Because if we get angry, the child may feel like we're angry at them and their abuser could have said, hey, if you tell somebody, they're going to be mad about it. And we just reassured them that their abuser was right Um, so we want to stay calm so that they feel like we're the safe person that they can open up to um, and so that they don't shut down Uh, like you said we do want to listen we know that active listening can be one of the best tools that we can provide them so we don't have to ask them a bunch of questions because that can be really overwhelming for them Um, you know and then um, if you're going to ask questions we really encourage open-ended questions um, because we know that children sometimes are people pleasers if we ask those leading questions then they might answer them the way uh, they think we want it answered Uh, so we you know we encourage those open-ended questions but you know if you don't necessarily even feel comfortable asking those questions if you don't feel like you you know you'd be prepared to just let them know that what they did was really brave you know thank you for sharing with me that was very brave of you I believe you Uh, we're gonna get you the help that you need and then yeah make that report Uh, make sure when you can to get that CAC involved um, because we want them to you know get the help that they need um, and make sure that they're taken care of so whenever there is a well-publicized story in the media about a child being sexually abused be it at school or wherever you always have those on the other side who say well they're just making that up in order to get attention or they're just making that up in order to get out of school but statistics show quite the opposite statistics show that children are not making this stuff up and if a child does come forward to say something like that it's not made up so where do you stand on those types of statistics and what do you tell folks who you know may want to learn more about the darkness to light program and and what what do you say whenever you hear somebody say oh that's just made up yeah so that's a really hard question um Honestly, though, if a child discloses to you, like I said, it is you're bound by law to make a report whether or not you think it's true. Um, And that's not necessarily your job to uncover the whole story. That's one of the things we talk about in the training is that you don't know you don't have to know the whole story um, because, you know, we have people who say, well, I don't know if I should make a report because I just saw this little thing or I don't know if it's really happening. It doesn't matter. Uh, Make the report and somebody else is going to follow through and figure that out because that's 
our job, that's law enforcement, DCS, that's their job. That's not your job as a bystander, as an individual. Um, so yeah, in those cases, I think um, whether you personally believe them or not, you're still supposed to make a report um, and somebody else is going to figure out, you know. But like you said, we do know that statistics show that most of the time they're not necessarily going to be making it up. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you have questions about that, like I said, we really encourage people to take the training um, and you can reach out to us if you have more questions you can uh, give us a call um, and somebody will put you in contact with me uh, personally and we can walk through uh, what that training is going to look like um, and then uh, we can get that set up for you so I, I know we only have a couple of minutes left and again we're talking about the child advocacy center right here in rutherford county and also an office in cannon county uh, but after you go through the process of interviewing the child after the court case after let's say the suspect is found guilty, what steps are you helping that family with as far as getting that child into counseling? Um, we have a great community here in Rutherford and Cannon County, and uh, there are so many other nonprofits. There are so many organizations, and there are also so many counselors and therapists that reach out to us to say that they would like to be that person for a child. Um, so our family advocates would get with that parent or, of course, that caregiver um, and the non-offending caregivers and say, you know, we have these li- – they have lists and lists of resources that children and families can use um, to help better their situation, not only to, to heal from the trauma, but also just to feel like they're, they're still being heard and even if that parent feels like well my child may not need counseling you know statistics again would show that yeah your child does need some help after this in order to kind of reconfigure on how they think and because they may not know what normal is after something bad happens to them we also have heard in the office carrie and i have heard that sometimes it's not even right then it's it might be months down the road it might even be years down the road when they finally you know kind of start having a little bit more of a an understanding of what happened and that might cause fear and anger or uh, all kinds of other emotions and so that's usually again when the parent would call back and say hey we were there such and such years ago um however i really need that resource again and that's another thing about the department of children's services and other law enforcement is that case is closed um um, but what does that child or that parent do then? That's when we come in and we, we stay with them sometimes years. And the bottom line is the trauma that a child would go through during that sexual abuse is is a big trauma. It's not like just a car wreck. It's, it's a trauma much deeper than that. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to learn more about the Darkness to Light program, if they want to help out with the Secret Santa program next year, yeah. uh, again, where do they need to turn first? I'd like for them to just give us a call at 615-867-9000. Um, you can also go on our Facebook page, CAC Rutherford. Um, and we have upcoming events, you know, Things are getting a little bit back to normal out there in the, the big world. And so we're looking forward to April. It's Child Abuse Prevention Month, but it's also our Hometown Heroes Walk for Children. Uh, and so, of course, if you'd like to get involved starting now with the Darkness to Light training, and then, of course, maybe even come, in, come to the free walk in April, um, we'd love to get in contact with you, your family or your group. Sounds good. So a lot coming up. And again, uh, Carrie Norville and Katie Enzor with the Child Advocacy Center. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having us. Rutherford Issues on News Radio WGNS. This is a paid legal ad. When a family member is lost as a result of someone else's negligence, the grief can be unbearable. 
It also leaves you with a lot of questions like, how did this happen? Who's responsible? And is my family gonna be okay? That's a lot to go through, but with the law offices of John Day on your side, you don't have to go through any of it alone. We understand what you're going through and we have the experience to get the answers, justice, and compensation your family deserves. Call the law offices of John Day.